love Monopoly. Uh, I am a huge Monopoly fan. In fact, I get a little freakish when it comes to Monopoly. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, I remember when I was in middle school, there was a terrible ice storm that hit Clarksville. And um, the roads were closed uh, for like over a week. We didn't have power for a week. And I, I was bored, so I walked a few miles in the snow and ice to a friend's house, and we played Monopoly for over a week. And just in case you have any doubts, I won. I, um, because I am cutthroat at Monopoly. The longest Monopoly game I ever, I ever played was almost two weeks long. If you give me enough time, I'm going to go spank a delicate on you. Because right? here's the key. Here's the key to Monopoly. You only buy things, spaces that you can put hotels or, or houses on. That's the key. You don't go, you don't go for the, um, the utilities. You don't go for the railroad. Alright? And I usually don't go for Baltic or Mediterranean. I'm going to be honest with you. That's kind of good. So I just don't do that. Alright? But the key is the spaces that you got to fill them with all of the hotels, all of the houses Here's my problem, though, when it comes to Monopoly. I love it. I throw myself into it. I will win, given enough time. But after I win, you know, when the game's over, all those spaces that I've acquired, all the hotels that I've paid for and the hotels that you've mortgaged and you've given to me, all of those, all those houses, all the stuff I've accumulated, at the end of the game, it all goes back to the box problem with that. Because I have spent hours, weeks of my time investing in this, in this Monopoly game, and when the game is over, it just goes back in the box, close it up, and it's done. Done. Today, we're going to continue our series on spaces, and we're going to talk about the space on your calendar called payday. Payday. How many of y'all like getting paid? Come on, that's, that's the most amens I've ever got out of a sermon. Everybody likes to get paid. And now some of you get paid once a month. Alright, probably the majority of you do. Some get paid twice a month. It don't matter when you get paid, but you want to get paid. Alright? So we're going to be talking about that space on the calendar called payday. We're going to be talking about money. Now before you collect your things and leave this morning, I know what some of you are saying. I've not been to church in 20 years, and the day I come back, the pastor is all about my wallet. And then, hear me. This sermon is not what I want from you. It's what I want for you. So if you're if you're getting a little bit of tension in your gut because we're talking about money and you think I'm going to want something from you, you just need to take a cleansing breath in and exhale. In fact, just to prove to you that this is going to be a little bit different, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer from the... From the, if you don't raise your hand, I'm going to call them. Alright? Alright? Anyone? I don't see any hands. Alright, Phil, I see yours. Come on. Come on, Philip. Alright, come around here. Watch the cord. Alright, we don't want you to... Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you. Just to show you that this is not your typical sermon. By the way, this is Philip Snyder. Everybody say hello to Philip. Come to life. Come on, so people can see you. Y'all see him now? I know, James going, I'll put him back in the darkness. All right, good. 
you that this is not a typical sermon. I'm going to give you $50. <laughs> now, let me tell you, I'm going to give you some direction with this 50 bucks, okay? Because I'm, I'm sure you will. <laughs> this $50 is money that is given to you. It's not your money. It's given to you. And I'm going to ask you to spend it any way God tells you to spend it. Okay? Now, the, 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 you can't spend it on yourself. Okay? And you've got, you, you've got to spend it on what you think God wants you to spend it on. That means you may give it to homeless folks. Uh, you can pay for somebody's gas. Uh, you can live a waitress or a really big tip. Any waitresses in here? Just tell me where you go and he'll let you know. All right. But you've got, you got to
a person, and this is the reason why he's talking about money and riches, it gives it so much credibility. Because this wasn't written by a fellow who was cold, who never had money, and who was angry at rich people. Right? This was written by a person who was the richest man in the world at that time. He was filthy rich. In fact, we talked about this dude last week. His name is Solomon. And he's writing in a little book called Ecclesiastes. And if you have the One Church Bibles, the Bibles that we give, uh, it's found on page 507 of the One Church Bible. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at the story of Solomon, the richest man in the world. Now, as we before we dive in, I'm going to ask you three questions. And each one of these three questions has three one-word answers, all right? Here's the three questions, and then we're going to look at the this passage of Scripture, and it's going to answer this. So the questions are, how much is enough? How much will you leave? And how much is yours? How much is enough? How much will you leave? And, um, and then how much is yours? First question, how much is enough? Answer? More? I mean... If, if, you, if I were to ask you this, how much money is enough? It'd be more than what you've got, right? It'd be more. It's like you just have a little bit more. If it, how much? How, how much house is enough? Well, I, I like my house, but you know, I like my house to have this. How much is enough? It's more. More than what you got. More than what I've got. It's always more. Now, this is what Solomon says, Ecclesiastes five ten. Those who love money will never have enough. Isn't that true? How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. How many of y'all have ever heard the Bible verse, um, uh, money is the root of all evil? Now, before you raise your hand, it ain't in there. Did y'all know that? Nowhere, if you look in the Bible and you say money is the root of all evil, you would be looking high and long. It may be in first opinion, but it ain't in the Bible. By the way, first opinions ain't a book. It's your opinion. Let me tell you what the Bible does say about money. This is uh, 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the, what's that next word? Ah, see, that's the key. Money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So money isn't the root of all evil. Then what is the root of all evil? The love of money. Now, what's the... You're saying, oh, you're just, those are just words and semantics. No, it's really not. Because the Bible never ever speaks that you can't have money. I mean, that would really be impractical. All of us in here would not have clothes on. And there's a word for that. It's called carrying. Alright? <coughs> Especially to me. Alright? So, you know, it's a, it's a, the Bible never says money is wrong. It doesn't say you can't have money. It says be careful because if you love money, then it's going to get you into some problems. In fact, look at what Ecclesiastes 5.10 says. Those who... What's that next word? Now, Timothy was first Timothy, the one we just looked at, was written by a dude by the name of Timothy. Paul, excuse me, to Timothy. Alright? Paul to Timothy. 
And that was written like back in 60, 70 AD. This one is written about 800 BC. So there's 800 years past. And look it, it's like one person wrote the entire Bible. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Solomon said, if you love money, you're never going to have enough. It's a heart issue. If you're, you're never going to be content. If you have this insatiable, abnormal appetite for money or stuff or things, you're never going to have enough. He goes on to say this in verse 11. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Amen. I mean, think about it. The more you get, the more you're going to get in a different tax bracket, right? And the government's going to be saying, hey, what's up? Give me some money. All right? Or let's say you have a boat, all right? And it come summertime, everybody's your friend, right? Hey, hey, you got a boat. You mind if I borrow it? You know, let me wreck it. All right? All right, cool. Because um, everybody, when you get money, everybody's going to want a piece of it. Want to get a piece. So, I'm going to keep on reading. So, what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? What Solomon is teaching is that stuff is never enough. Stuff is never enough. The Bible doesn't say that money or stuff is the root of evil. It's it's the love of it. It's the control issue. How many of y'all are here when we're talking about the Incredible Hulk? We're talking about anger. How anger is not bad, but if anger controls you, we talked about drinking. Drinking, nowhere in the Bible does it say, Thou shalt not drink. But if drinking controls you, it's the same way with money. Food's not bad, but if food controls you. Money's not bad, but if money is controlling you. God says, I don't want anything controlling you except me, God. It, it, it's like this with money. If you're not fulfilled without money, you're not going to be fulfilled with it. Um, I, I say that a lot to singles. If you're not fulfilled as a single person, then when you get married, you're not going to be fulfilled as a married person. I tell you, the, the, the most loneliest people I know aren't people who don't have a spouse. It's people who have a spouse.
to be a professional stuff collector like William Randolph Hearst. Because you know what? At the end of your life, whenever that be, you will leave all of it. Everything. That's what Ecclesiastes 5.15 says. This is what it says. We all come to the end of our lives as naked, not naked, that's something different. That's a Song of Solomon sermon, but naked and empty-handed as on the day that we were born. We can't take our riches with us. Let's say that last part. We can't take our riches with us. That's what the wisest, most richest person in the world found out. You can't take it with you. So if you really can't take it with you, that leads us to our next question. How much is how much of it is really yours? None. That's exactly right. The answer is none. Now some of y'all are I'm getting some pushback on that right now. No, my money is my money. We're like toddlers. I, I got, how many of y'all have had toddlers at one time? How many of y'all have toddlers now? How many of you want to get rid of your toddlers? I'm with you. Alright? You give them something and then when somebody comes over to the house. If they want to share, what do they say? Mine. I think that's kind of humorous because they didn't go out and get a job and work for the money to be able to pay for that toy. No, it was given to them. So it's not mine. This is what God says about your money. God is saying in Job 41.11, Who has given me anything that I need to pay it back? Everything under heaven is mine. Everybody said the word everything. Everything under heaven is here. Everything. Your boat, your car, your house, because you can't take it with you. Look at the next verse. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's, and what's that next word? Amazing. Everything in it. The world, it's all in And not only the stuff, but all the people belong to him. Why? Because he's created him. So you've heard the whole, it's, hey, it's all good. It's all God's. It may be all good, but all of it's God's. Every bit of it. All of it. Every bit of it. And that leads us to our next our story, our parable. In Matthew 25, Jesus is talking, and he's, tell, he's telling this story. And he's the whole point of this story is what we just talked about. It's all God's. Let's look at it. 25.14. Again, Jesus is telling the story, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Stop right there. He entrusted. Listen, he entrusted whose money? His money. To them while they were gone. So it wasn't the servant's money. Whose money was it? The master's. And he entrusted. That's a big word, entrusted. It means to put trust in. It means to put trust in. So it's, so it's not their money, it's the master's money. Have you ever trusted something of value to someone else? Let's put this in soldiers. How many of y'all are soldiers? How many, how many of y'all just got back? Let me ask that. I know. Okay. When you were gone, did you entrust maybe something of value to somebody else? Maybe it was a car. Somebody could maybe drive it around a little bit so it would... Maybe a motorcycle. Alright? Anyone? I got my friend Bobby Keaton back. Bob has a brother um, who, um, he was, he's, where's he serving at, Bob? Iraq? Thank you. And uh, he, he left Bob his Harley Davidson. Now, 
got it all this all day and rag it out, wreck it, all right? Or he could he could take care of it like it was his own, but it's not because his brother entrusted him. Which one is the is the better choice? It's entrusted. It's taking care of it like it's your own, though it is not. So those are our options. The wisest choice. Now that's what what we're talking about. Some of y'all have lived that. You've gotten home and vehicles have been wrecked. Harleys have been pawned. Alright? And you're going, whoa, I thought I trusted you with something. That's what we're talking about. Entrust. So, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together all of his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave them this five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. He said, I'll be back in 12 to 15 minutes. So the master gives them responsibilities and gives them and trusts them with his money. The servant, the, the servants don't own any of his money. They didn't make it. Uh, it they are stewards of it, if you will. They are uh, they're taking care of it, but it's not there. Look at verse 16. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money, and uh, he earned five more. Then the servant who had two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Why are they doing this? Because they start asking this question. They start asking themselves, what would my master want me to do with his money? What would my master want me to do with his money? They just didn't sit on their hands. They just didn't say, well, you know, they worked. They worked it. They accumulated more money. Did they accumulate more money for themselves? No. For who? The master. It was all for the master. And they could have just said to themselves, you know what, our master's not coming back. I'm going to take this uh, these five bags of gold and I'm going to go out. I'm going to have me a little thing called a I'm gonna have me some good time. And the two, the fella who had the just the one, I could, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna do it because it's mine. But that's not what they did. All right. Think about this. You have money now. Why do you have money? Because God gave you health to make money. God gave you the breath in your lungs so that you could get up and you could go to your job. God gave you the skill set so that you can go and actually be hireable so that you can get that money. God gave you everything that you need so that you can go to work and get the money. So really, whose is it? It's not yours. It's His because we're taking, we're being entrusted. Verse 19, look at this. It's all God's. After a long time, the master returned from the trip and he called them to give an account. Somebody say the word account. To give an account of how they had used his money. So the masters come back and they said, show me the money. If it's the master's money, then it should be used the way the master wants it to be used. That's our big idea for today. Look at this. It's God's money, so spend it God's way. Everybody say that. It's God's money, so spend it God's way. It's that simple. It's that simple because we're going to leave it all 